Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's December 17, 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott. Once again, did not win Survivor Long. <laughs> I was going to ask you before the show if you wanted to talk about it or not, because I, I don't want to spoil it for you, but... Uh... I tell you what, I know all the moaning and stuff that you did about this season, but that was the most engaged I was ever at a final. I, I, I got to tell you, that was a pretty good ending. Yeah, I was going to say, if I felt like posting on Facebook, which I won't, because every time I post about Survivor on Facebook, I get mocked by everybody. <laughs> but, you, but but even probably you, even though you watch. So <laughs> uh, I was going to say the same thing. Worst season ever, but one of the best finales ever. So Yeah, pretty wild. Pretty so wild. I've never seen... Um, I can't recall off the top of my head. I know Dave Bloomberg is watching. He'd be able to take off every example because uh, he's the resident survivor expert. Uh, uh, I can't remember uh, the last uh, finale on Survivor that we had three legitimate winners. Yeah. That's why I said the Gene last night. Same exact yeah. thing. And uh, I mean, it's kind of like a poker tournament, right? I'm like, you know, you get to that end, and then you got Daniel Negreanu, Phil Hellmuth, and Scott Long at the table, right? I mean, you, <laughs> <laughs> just window dressing there, right, for, for them to knock me off. So, and uh, it, it doesn't make for as an exciting um, final table. So, um, same same in Survivor. So last night was very exciting, and uh, not disappointed at all in who won, and not disappointed at all in how many votes they got. Uh, but uh, surprised yeah. that it wasn't more evenly spread. So Yeah, I was too. But, uh, yeah, it was a good ending. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was weird how they – not weird. I thought it was kind of cool that they went right to the announcement and everything and didn't have the TV show and all that. It was it was pretty cool. They just did it all old school, you know. I liked not it. Like, so we'll see. We'll see whether that was just a COVID thing or not. I, yeah. I always like to build up for the big, big show at the end. But anyhow. All right, let's go. All right. Uh, veteran poker journalist Ashley Adams, writing on CardsChat.com this week, posted a column listing seven things that new or relatively new players to poker worry about but shouldn't. Uh, and the list includes, one, trying to develop a table image. Instead, he says, work on recognizing what other players think your image is. Two, not looking foolish. He says, use your newbie image to your advantage by getting players to underestimate you. Three, picking up on tells. Rather, he says, focus on identifying your opponent's tendencies like playing tight or loose, passive or aggressive. Four, worrying about winning and losing. Instead, focus on whether you played well even if you lost. Uh, five, worrying about how the cards are running. Cards don't have memories. Focus on things that are in your control. Uh, six, getting upset when players take breaks. Focus instead on how the absence changes the table dynamic and how you can profit from that. And seven, trying to win arguments. There is no true winning these fights. Just let it go. Yeah, this is all good stuff. And Some of it is sort of actually doing 
what he's telling you not to worry about because when you're trying to develop a table image, yeah, you, you don't try to do that, but by recognizing what they think you are, you actually are developing a table image and you're recognizing what that image is, but you're not just developing it yourself. You're not saying, I'm going to try to be uh, this tight guy and then really not be or whatever. Um, the other thing, too, was picking up on tells. If he says focus on identifying what your opponent's tendencies are, like playing tight or loose, or, that literally is picking up a tell. It's just, a, you know, it's not like the Oreos on the rounders. Macro rather than micro. Yeah, exactly. It's more generic, but it's still, you know, and then you can learn to refine those things as you progress in your career or your session or whatever. But um, these are all good, very good tips, very good things. Ashley's always been a good writer. He's, he's always been spot on. Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to give him um, extra props today because uh, he was um, what I kind of consider the, the OG Annie up. Because uh, he used to work for, uh, I can't remember, yeah, forget the name now, the poker newspaper, that uh, poker player, right? Yeah. Yeah, that used to be, he used to write for that. So that's where I first experienced him long before we started Annie Up. And um, and most of his writing was geared about just driving around the country, playing in rooms and telling you, um, giving you reviews on them, playing at the 1 2 no limit or the 3 6 limit or, you know, the kind of limits that most of our listeners play at or at least start at right so right, exactly it really was the og annie up so um and so I, it doesn't surprise me when i saw uh saw this column from him because uh i mean again this is all about new and relatively new players so um but yeah yeah i think he uh the only the only one i took a little um issue with and not not on his part um i just this i i didn't realize that getting upset when players take breaks is as big of a deal as apparently the top seven <laughs> right yeah I know, I mean, poker in general, you get annoyed with people at the table for all kinds of things. You know, uh, you don't like when the people spread their crap out and take up your space. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't like people that stink. Um, <laughs> like that. Um, so, yeah, so I think a more generic uh, getting upset when players annoy you is probably a more, probably a better number six than specifically on players taking breaks. Um uh, that that one's never really driven me too crazy. Um, there's lots of things that drive me <laughs> way worse at the table than to people getting up and going to take a smoke break and coming back. But I've also never been one of those people that that's worried about the shorthanded. Yeah, my that's where I get annoyed is when I'm at a table and like the the guys who storm the beaches of Normandy are like, oh my god, shorthanded. Yeah, seven, seven yeah. players. Adjust the rake. Adjust the rake. Yeah. Or I'm not playing. I'm sitting out. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Did you come here to play poker? Or did you come here to bellyache about life? So, um, so yeah. So maybe I, it's just my my perspective on that. But um, but the the rest I, I think are are really fantastic. Uh, yeah, the whole cards running. The anytime we talked about this on the show, I'm like asking for a wash, asking for a new deck, all that superstitious BS crap. I can't stand so. Forget about that. We, we keep talking about all the times we talk about the hand of the week and the O'Malley's is, you know, hey, did you play the hand well? I mean, not not whether you won or not, but did you play it well or did you play it poorly? Yep. Um, it yep. won. Yep. So that's great. Um, and, and no disrespect to uh, Joe Namaro, who is fantastic on tells and has been a big fan of the show and friend for a long time. But, uh, yeah, if you get too down in the weeds on some of this stuff and you forget the forest, I mean, that that's probably a big one for all these. And that that's what his number three was, really is uh focusing on that um and, and the first two are really kind of the same thing is your your image is your image you know i mean why why try to be somebody you're not i mean try to tie survivor into it i always like the people that go out there and try to be 
opposite of who they think they are. I mean, that, that never works. No, no. It lasts a day at most, right? And then, because you can't keep up it. Um, I mean, even the best actors in the world can't keep it up. So don't try. <clears throat> don't try. And you don't have to worry about your image. I'm like, if you, if you, if you, your image is weak, um, that, that people think they can run, run you over and you're actually not weak. Um, I mean, why, why do you want to pretend to be strong? I'm like, use that to your advantage. That's a great advantage. Yeah. I, I would love for people to think that I, uh, when I sit down at the table that I have no idea what I'm doing. Cause that'd be the truth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then you can expose the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah so those are all good and uh and of course there uh, we i i summarized them all here so if you want to go to cardschat.com and read uh read in more detail please do that but uh good tips and even if you, you don't consider yourself new or relatively new i mean good reminders of things i mean sure absolutely that's what happened when you and i were teaching poker for beginners for all those years either at derby lane or on our cruise ships you know it just helps you reinforce the abc sometimes you get back to that when you're struggling or whatever, it's just good, basic foundation of good poker. So, you know, nothing wrong with uh, rehashing and, uh, you know, refreshing uh, what you what you've probably knew in the past, but may have forgotten now. Yeah, it's the best part of the movie with Major League, Lou Brown, man. Fundamentals. Lou well, Fundamentals, know. that's right. Yeah, if, you if you're not teaching the fundamentals, you get fired as coach of the Jaguars. So, you know, like that. So, uh, the last thing I'll add, though, is um, one of the, the big questions we always get, and we've talked about on the show, but I'll just kind of repeat it because this is a refresher for everybody, right? Is uh, my favorite question is, can you recommend a poker strategy book? Mm. And with very few exceptions, uh, my answer is no, I cannot. <laughs> but yeah. I can recommend how you can find your own strategy book that works for you. And and again, that's just all based on on how the author plays. If you can't play the author's style, it doesn't matter how good they are or how they're teaching it. Um, that's not going to work for you. I mean, Tom Dwan, like what, probably what the, one of the most successful poker players, most aggressive players out there. But if you can't play Tom Dwan's type of game, you know, the, reading how he does it isn't going to help you. <laughs> yeah. If you're not able to put all the chips in the uh, table with uh, Trey High. Uh, it's not going to do any good to read Tom Dwan's book. You know, you're going to need a different different author. So now, as you develop your poker skills and you get better and better, then you can read more books and, and change who you're reading. But um, it, it, that, that's the one I always put out there: is you know, find find a poker player whose style you matches yours as much as possible. That's the book you want to read. It's hard, though. I, I mean, I I agree with what you're saying. Back in the day, when you got to watch them play poker all the time. Now it's like okay, poker's on one or two channels every once in a while. But if you don't, if you're just starting and you're new and you don't get to see these consistently players consistently on the tape on the TV, then it's like okay, I don't know how I play, you know. So then they might be looking for some sort of generic book to teach them or something. So I don't, I don't know. Like if everyone, let me say, somebody just starting to play poker this week and they're like, hey, give me a good poker book to read. I can't tell them, hey, go learn how Doyle Brunson plays and then buy his super system because you're not going to see Doyle Brunson ever play again. So, but, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but... Right? Yeah. Term, again, think of things in terms of times in history. Like, you know, super system was written years ago, right? Yeah, so, so, I mean, if you're, if you're using the logic that I just gave you, you have to be looking at how that person played in that time when that book was written. I mean, there's a lot of new books coming out now. So, I mean, if you have a poker, go subscription, you're probably watching more than you and I are. Cause we don't subscribe to that. Right. right. So, um, and if not, if you're looking for a player in the back, um, you know, people, folks might not know this, but, uh, these free streaming 
networks. Pluto is one of my favorites, but there's all kinds of them. Roku and Popcorn Flicks and all kinds of them. They're all completely free. All of them have a poker channel. Yeah. Showing old World Poker Tour or old or things like that. So you so you still can go back in time and and uh, see how our folks had. Now to your point though, I mean the game keeps changing. So you know you may not want to go back. I mean obviously Super System is going to be a classic forever, but there might have been books between that and the books coming out now that really probably maybe are real irrelevant now. Yeah. To help people play. So yeah, yeah difficult, but right, cool. Uh, all right, uh, pro Sammy Farha and another player got into a physical confrontation this week at a Houston poker club. According to Poker News, the men had a verbal altercation a couple weeks prior at a different club that resulted in the other man losing his job as a dealer at that club. Uh, the fighter dealer came to a different club to play, saw Farha playing, and the fight ensued. Poker News also reported that many players in the Houston market, especially those who were dealers, are sticking over the dealer, even go so far as setting up a GoFundMe page to help pay for any legal bills that may arise over their anger over how they say Farha treats dealers. Uh, I don't know what to say about this. I, I've, I've heard stuff about this guy, but I have no firsthand knowledge of this guy at all. Like, I've, I've seen him when we've covered the World Series and gone out there or whatever, or even, like, when I went to, you know, other World Poker Tour events or something like that, but I... I, I don't I've just heard stuff from people and so a lot of people I've heard it from are friends of mine that I trust so I believe it um, but this is this is crazy you know and I when I see Farha I don't think of him I think of him as he looks like a gangster but I don't think of him as being this tough guy he's and he's so much older now than he was when I saw him you know on TV all those years ago too so I just I wonder if that was like a one-sided fight or what. You know, I, I don't know. But um, I, don't know what to, I don't know what to think about this. Well, yeah, I mean, a couple of things that came to mind. I'm like, once uh, again, and not that this is any um, problem with the club, but another black mark for the Texas poker industry. Yeah. Um, you know, again, no, it's no one's fault here I, from what I can tell. I mean, I, I think the fight probably got broken up pretty quickly. So, I mean, you can't stop people from fighting. Uh, but it's unfortunate when that headline says Houston Poker Club, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one takeaway from this. Uh, two, I, I don't know much about Sammy Farrell, but uh, but you're right. I mean, we have a lot of friends that um, are in the industry, uh, and particularly dealers, and and some of the most interesting poker cruises we've had are sitting around the bar after the end, and dealers telling us uh, which pros are the worst <laughs> to dealers. And I can't recall if his name came up, but but a lot of those old school um, players were on those lists. I mean, I think it was just a different era back then where. You know, the dealer was just a, um, an impediment to your success, you know, because they messed up the deal, they burned before they shouldn't, or they didn't deal fast enough, or whatever else. I mean, you're there, that's your job, right? I mean, when we go into poker room, we're there to have fun, but they're there to make money. So, uh, not defending that, but I'm just saying I, I can see that that frame of reference, yeah. and that's different. Um, and, of course, those players are not going to tip as well as, you know, recreational players, you know. You know, people like us, wanna, we don't want to be embarrassed by getting a reputation as a uh, cheapskate, and the pros don't care. Right, <laughs> like, right. I'm here to make money, so yeah, that, that dealer doesn't like me, there's going to be another dealer in 30 minutes. So, um, so uh, Now, uh, you know, I, I don't know who instigated the fight, too. That's another thing, too. Um, that's kind of rough, though, if you lose your job uh, because someone complained. Now, we don't know the details of that, so, I mean, maybe it wasn't as one-sided as it it, it seems to be portrayed but if, if it was uh very one-sided that's that's unfortunate so yeah i mean 
not, I don't advocate violence, <laughs> but, um, but understand it sometimes. So. Yeah. But yeah, not, not, a, not a good couple of weeks for uh, Texas poker. So hopefully yeah. there's a good coming out here uh, before the end of the year. All right, uh, controversy over poker player Brett Butts and his poker paint company have reignited. Uh, Butts drew the ire of professional poker photographers by artistically altering their work without permission or compensation and selling the new images. At that time, Butts apologized and said he'd make changes to how he operates. However, many photographers say their work is still being used without permission, and many of them are filing cease and desist orders with Butts. Butts told Poker News that the disagreements are continuing because photographers are seeking 40% of his sales, which he says is unfair. So we uh, are in the industry of the photographers, especially news photographers. You and I respect that we don't run photos in our magazine or on our sites that we don't have uh, permission to run. And we always give them credit when we ran a photo. Why? Because that's their livelihood and that's their work. That's their art or, or however you want. That's their mm, – what, what I'm trying to say is they, they're um, – not just their art, but it's also like um, their property. You know, I, it, It's a photo that they took during their job, and most of them are independent. So they're, it's their own – they're even – it's their business. You know, It's not just like they're doing it for a service or something. It's them. So – to then take that photo that you worked so hard to capture in time to capture that moment or capture that player or whatever, and then to use it without compensating is is just a big no no, and it's it's illegal too. I believe it's it's illegal to. Yeah, and, and there's a little gray zone here, and uh, this is where, where it gets frustrating. Um, is that I mean, if he was to take your example, if Annie up would just steal a photo from a world poker tour or one of the photographers for world, world poker Tour, and run it that's a clear copyright violation and a lawsuit what this guy is doing is taking it and then artistically altering it which um there is some legal basis for being able to do that um uh, i think the problem though is he picked the wrong industry <laughs> um you know, poker industry is very tight knit, and people take care of each other here. And so, and one complained about it, the rest did. So, there is. Uh, I mean, I, I'm certainly not a super expert on this, um, and certainly not a lawyer. But a lot of it depends on you know how much you're altering it, how do you do it. Um, so, you know, the problem now though is this guy uh, quit doing all this when he got. Um, the brush back. Um, and obviously he doesn't have the, um, background that we do that. I mean, he, he, he thought there was absolutely nothing wrong with this, right? I yeah. mean, you and I look at this like, Ooh, wow. Um, so yeah, so I, so he took some time. He, he, uh, said he learned about intellectual property law and blah, blah, blah. And then kind of went back to doing the same <laughs> thing again. So, um, so, I mean, it is probably a good debate as what, what is a proper working relationship here. Um, you know, he, his business doesn't exist without the other photographers. Yeah. You know I mean, which is why you should pay them. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, they, they kind of have the, uh, you know, I was watching deep impact the other day, like, you know, Morgan Freeman, you know, you know, anything we have a gun pointed at each other, but that's just an illusion. <laughs> you know, so. I mean, they, they really hold the, the weight here. Now, I mean, he could change his business model and take his own photos and alter them. Uh, I mean, there's lots of free f 
uh, photos on Pixabay and websites like that that you can use for commercial purposes and, and don't even have to give credit if you don't want. They're, you're supposed to. Um, but he probably is not going to sell as many of these things because people are looking for photos of Doyle Brunson and Phil Hellmuth and, you know, right? So mm. it's a very interesting um, – it's a really interesting debate. So, um, and it's interesting to see people go to their respective corners here and not realize that there's a little bit gray there. Um, so, I don't know how it's going to work out. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, it's not going to work out well for him. But, I yeah, it's it's weird because there's also the question of like, let's say um, I'd like an artist to I'd like commission an artist to draw or paint a painting of me at the table at the world series and i've you know i've played in the world series i have photos of me at the world series and it's like um the guy's like well i can't go to the world series and paint you and i say oh well uh, there's this photo online of me just use that one because it's all there for you there's chips in my hand i got sunglasses on whatever it is so then the guy goes home he takes that picture and he uses it as a guide and he paints me and i look like the photo and then i buy the picture from the guy if the person who took that photo goes into my house and sees that painting is he really entitled to money you know what i mean it's like he how much do you have to change the picture before he says okay i don't really deserve anything here because you just use it as a guide or because i looked at this butts guy stuff and it's i mean it's ident- it's identical to yeah, what it's, it's, he just changes it's, the colors mind, and stuff yeah in my non-lawyer mind it's not enough change to yeah. make it his own it's like you know? a filter on photoshop almost is yeah, what he's that's, doing that's really what it is i'm like you know anybody with a computer now can be, be doing a lot of this stuff now i'm not taking a shot at his artistic ability i'm just stating as you're stating that the technology has changed so much now that a four-year-old can alter a photo in a hundred different ways by pushing a button on mom's phone right right so, right so yeah the, the the standard probably is higher now than it 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 has been in the past or should be higher right so yeah um you know it, it's always easier just to do your own work you know and i know that doesn't really work well for them but uh, this is always going to be a problem um not just in this or anything else where you're taking other people's work and um altering it or changing it or whatever you're doing i mean so yeah yeah so. that's why there's all those protections in place or you know, people who, you know, uh, plagiarize, you know, that's why they're always losing their jobs or getting, failing out of school because they're just copying what someone else already did there. You took their work and got credit for it or paid for it, and you're not supposed to. This is very similar to something like plagiarism, so. Uh, okay, any updates? Papes, the Antioch fans' free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site is available everywhere. Uh, details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, 26th of every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Antioch Fans Group Facebook page to get feedback on hands, ask call to four questions, and just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Antioch logo designs on merchandise at antiochmagazine.com slash shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and much more with your choice of Antioch Magazine, Antioch PokerCast, or Antioch Poker Tour logos. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email podcast at com or post in the Antioch Fans Facebook group. 
uh, if you find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been, email us at podcast.annie.magazine.com. We'll have Rivers Casinos Connected Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net. This comes from Brett. He says, I just got back from a great trip to Florida to play a few events in a series. At the final table of a pot limit eight uh, event, the under-the-gun player limps, and the next player then announces same thing. He reaches toward the pot with a stack of chips, and as he sets them down, announces pot. After some discussion, the floor was called. The decision was the house only recognizes phrases like call, raise, pot, or a chip amount. The player was allowed to bet pot. The table seemed to be split about the decision. All right, Elliot says TDA rule number three states official ter- uh, TDA rule number three, which is official terminology and gesture, states official betting terms are simple, unmistakable, time-honored declarations like bet, raise, call, fold, check, all in, complete, and pot when playing pot limit. Reasonable terms may also meet this test. Also, players must use gestures with caution when facing action. Tapping the table is a check. It is the player that, a responsibility of the players to make their intentions clear. Using non-standard terms or gestures is at a player's risk and may result in ruling other than what the player intended. So Elliot says, quote-unquote, same thing. It's just not a clear statement of intent, and it's certainly not a regional term. Use of non-standard term does not uh, cause a player using that term to be able to only bet the least amount possible. However, once turn the betting is understandably a bad time to be making unclear and opaque declarations. It doesn't mean the ability to bet one's hand is taken away. The floor person made the right call in that spot. Okay, so I'm a little confused. So the guy, after someone limped, the next guy said same thing, and yes. then and, and then, then changed to... his mind and bet pot? Yes. Okay, so the same thing was he was trying to limp, then changed his mind and bet pot. Correct. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure that was what it was. Yeah. Um, and, and I... It's just so confusing because I even had to write right back. I'm like, all right, make sure I understand what's going on here because in my mind, knowing rule three, that same thing means nothing. It, right. it's, he could have been saying gibberish. Right. It doesn't matter, right? right. So, so you know, when he says pot, I feel like he has to be compelled to bet pot because that was the only thing he uh, – said that is a t- official term time honor declaration yeah, right exactly so now that now that, that that does mean that it wasn't really crappy of this guy and uh and this is in a tournament right so he very well could have at very least should have gotten a warning about it if not a one round penalty um so there are, there are risks to doing this and and that's um to the floor's judgment but uh, but yeah, we we got another call for coming up a couple of weeks from now too. It's it's the same thing where you know people say hey, he said this, but you know it doesn't matter what you say. It's it's if it, if it's gibberish and same thing is gibberish in the poker world. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So unfortunate, um, but it was the right call. So. Wow. Um, and you know I I don't know. I mean I guess the other thing is. What was his benefit of this? I mean, when you say same thing, I mean, is he trying to pick up a, a quick look at around the table? And he, he caught a quick uh, glimpse of like, whoosh, thank you, he didn't raise. So, all right, now he decides to raise. Uh, I, I don't know. So, I mean, I mean, that, that's why there's a penalty for this uh, or should be a penalty for it. 
but but I don't believe he, he got much of an advantage out of this. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you on that. I I wondered a little part of me wondered as if the last time he was in the hand, then it was first to act or not first to act, but preflop. Uh, if he, same thing. If as he last bet, time. yeah, he bet pot, and so he said same thing, you know. And then they're like, "What?" And he's like, "Pot," you know. And they're like, "Oh, it's in, so that's what's wrong?" Because we would think he meant same thing as he wanted to limp, and he meant same thing in the hand before I bet pot. Now I'm betting pot again. And that's a very good way of stating why you need to um, use these right words because you're asking people to interpret yes. what you're saying. So yes. if that went exactly the way you said it. Uh, part of me feels a little bad for the guy because he he was trying to say something that people weren't understanding. But I don't have much uh, sympathy for him because he was making people guess what he meant. Yes, you, know, you just say pot. There's no guessing. You know, it doesn't matter whether you did it last hand or five hands ago or the last twelve times you've entered the pot. You know, say pot now, and it's crystal clear as to what you're doing. So absolutely. Hey, we have a new O'Malley's move. So here it comes. And welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $2, $5, no limit hold'em casino cash game. The game is eight-handed. We butt in for $1,500 and currently sit with around $2,500. The small blind posts, we're in the big blind end post. The end of the gun raises to $15. The plus one folds, the MP calls, the hijack and cutoff fold, the button calls, the small blind folds, and we look down at the king of hearts, nine of hearts. This seems like a decent hand to see a flop with. Low risk, high reward. We call. With $60 in the pot, the flop is a good one. The queen of hearts, eight of hearts, four of hearts comes down. We check looking to play this one deceptively. The under the gun checks. The MP bets $40. The button folds and we go for the check raise. We make it $130 to go. The under the gun calls, but surprisingly, the MP folds. The under the gun is a decent but speculative player. He plays a wide-range pre-flop and can sometimes get in trouble after the flop. He started the hand with just under 1600 There's now roughly 360 in the pot, and the turn is the tray of hearts. This puts four to a flush out there and is a bad card, but not necessarily because it puts us behind. It could, however, kill our action. We decide to continue our aggression. We make it 225 to go. After some thought, our opponent calls. There's now 800 in the pot, and the river is the queen of clubs. Let's go for some value. We make it 225 to go. Our opponent pauses briefly and then shoves, making the bet total 1200. So it's 975 to call. What's the move? It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiamagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership. Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Our good friend Vic G is back in the house, Chris. Yay! And uh, I like when he makes these trips south to um, uh, to the Bonita Springs Poker Room because uh, he usually plays up in the Panhandle. Uh, playing one, two, no limit hold'em, seven-handed. Let's see a couple information uh, at this point. Masks were not uh, no longer required at the tables when he was playing this hand. Room has increased its 200 max buy-in to 300, and now allows players to move tables up up to a $900 stack, uh, where the previous limit was only 400. Uh, also of note, today's promotion pays $500 every 30 minutes to the high end. Both cards in your hand must play, and there must be $10 in the pot. Uh, but unlike many other rooms, you don't have to get to the river. 
the current high hand on the board is Queen's Fold of Tens. Uh, he says, I played in this room a few times, but only went on vacation, so I recognize a few of the regulars. Uh, the villain in this hand is new to our table. He's a young guy in his 20s, changed tables with close to the $900 max, and has won several pots. He covers us um, with, uh, we have 650 Okay. And that's all the information we have on him. Uh, let's see. The end of the gun falls, and the action is on us in the low jack with the ace of spades. Four of spades. Uh, well, I mean, Vic's a quality player, and he's the type of player that plays the players, not his cards. So the ace-four is irrelevant, except that it could help him later if he needs it. So, um, you know, first to act, and he's in the low... So, I mean, he's low jack. I mean, first to raise if he wants to. So um, if I'm playing like Vic, I'm popping it. If I'm playing like me, I'm limping it, or maybe even folding it, but... Uh, I mean, I might raise just because I want to. I want no one to know what I have in my hand, and then wants to. Know. Again, it gets back to the opening segment of our show. You know, if I have a perception that I think I've picked up on that people think that I only raise with huge hands, you know, then I might raise with this. If I have the perception that um, I'm overly aggressive and whatever, I might limp with it. You know, I, I don't know. It just depends. But in Vic's case, he's he's really good at reading people and understanding betting patterns and all that kind of stuff, and he's real good at at uh, at playing position. So he might want to get that position here because he's close enough to the button that he can raise and take take the position away. So uh, if I were him, I'd probably make the the raise I've been making all day and uh, hope it gets me heads up with someone or even takes the pot down and moves on. Yeah, and I should have mentioned the villain is on the button here. I didn't realize that was going to be important to, uh, for information, but you just mentioned uh, you know trying to buy the button, and obviously that's probably harder to do with somebody who's nine hundred bucks in front of them. So um, okay, so yeah, so I mean, I still might raise because if, if the guy's aggressive, then I might not. But it, it depends. But yeah, if I think this guy is going to call whatever I raise and be in position on me, then I might just limp. Um, because why I put more money in the middle that I'm going to have to play behind on. Um, if he's super aggressive, I know he's going to pop me again or whatever, then I might just get out of the way. Uh, but I also don't want a player at the table to make me alter my, you know, just because. So so it just depends how confident I'm feeling and how good I'm, how good I'm running, that kind of thing. But uh, I don't know. Vic likes to raise, I think, when he's first in. So uh, he might put some money in the middle here. Uh, well, you know, we talked about earlier in the show fundamentals, right? So one of the poker fundamentals is when you're the first in, you should be raising. If you're not raising, then maybe you should think about folding. So um, I don't like folding a suited ace four. Um, you know, you're a bad kicker, but it's a wheel card. So, um, you know, that ace two, ace three, ace four, ace five have straight potentials where, you know, ace six through nine do not. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about when you're trying to vary your play, suited connectors are, are good ways of doing that. I also think these suited uh, wheel cards are as well, too. So, I mean, I think this is a, this is a hand to, to experiment a little bit with because you've got some backup insurance with it. Um, so if you're going to play it, I think you got to play it for a raise. Uh, my only concern here would be the button uh, and the villain who has us um, covered. And, you know, we don't have a lot of information on them, but... You know, with our profiling, a young guy in his twenties who's sitting with nine hundred bucks is probably pretty aggressive, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna have to assume that uh, you know he might repot me, um, and he'll be in position. So that's a little bit of a danger. So that might be if I, if I'm not Vic, if I'm 
me and I would say probably 50% of our listeners, I probably would just let this go because of that guy. He's got really good position on us, which is really going to suck for the entire time we're playing. Um, because I, I'd have to consider that we are going to get re-raised here and be playing out of position for this hand, which is never fun. But, um, but you know, we, we've got a decent stack, too. So, you know, we can afford that, that re-raise. And, you know, if we hit two to our straight, two to... Uh, Two to our flush, then that's a different story, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean, all, all, all things told, the knowledge we have, uh, put that standard standard raise in and see what happens. All right, all right. Our hero says, uh, since we're playing uh, only playing seven handed, we can probably raise this hand. But I've been the aggressive player of the table for the last five hours and found that some of the non-believers at the table are fed up with my raises, especially when they're all limping in hopes of hitting the five hundred dollar high hand. And have even called $25 opening raises of mine. Uh, we decided to limp and see what the new guy in the button wants to do. All right, interesting point there. Um, well, a point I mean, that we made, too. We also talked about going against, you know, if we're also, everyone's seeing us as being this real aggressive person, we're going to go against character. And that's what he's doing. So it makes sense. Well, and I think the more interesting thing for me is, is again, always, always keeping reading the table. So, you know, these are type of players that would probably fall to a raise, but they are um, playing irrationally because they're trying to win this five hundred dollars. That's really what it is, folks. So you know, so now when you're raising, they they they, they don't want to be. It's that FOMO, their their fear of missing out on the high hand. So when they know better than to call a twenty five dollar raise, a raise to twenty five dollars, they're still going to do it because they want that chance of that five hundred dollars. So being able to exploit that, I think, is really good. And in this case. He's exploiting it by playing differently, by not getting so many people involved with his hands. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens here if the button raises. So um, let's see. Both the hijack and cutoff fold and the villain on the button raises to $12, which has been the normal opening raise. Small blind folds, but blind calls, and it's back on us. Okay, well, we're just going to call. Yeah, nothing changes now, I think, now that we... We, we got the raise that we thought we were going to get. It's just less money in the pot now because we didn't raise. So um, Our hero agrees. This is an easy call. Raising the only guy at the table who has me covered and playing him out of position can be a recipe for disaster. Pot is $31 after the rake, and the flop is the ace of hearts, king of spades, king of clubs. Big blind checks. Action is on us. Okay. Say that again. Ace of hearts? Ace of hearts, king of spades. King of Clubs. Okay, and the pot was 31? 31, yep. Okay. Uh, and it, it obviously we're first to act. Uh, well, oh, no, the big, big blind checked us. Okay, so... Three of us know. Yeah, big it's blind. interesting, because uh, it looks like we could easily be a chopper here if this guy had something like Ace-9 or Ace-10, and they, another card higher than that comes, we'll have Aces up with a better kicker. So, um, I don't know. We talked about people were getting ticked off that we were being aggressive. There's no high hand here except for quad kings at this point. So, um, I don't know. I think I might check and see what happens. You know, this guy's new to the table. You want to see how he plays. I don't know if I want to bet into somebody because then I don't really understand how he plays when, you know, you're learning that. But I'd rather learn what's more traditional is to check to the raiser and see how he plays when he raises preflop. Is he a C better or is he a, you know, so I want to know how he plays. Plus, we don't have a great kicker right now. It might be a chop pot if he has, like like I said, ace-9 or ace-10 or something. But, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like they're not going to believe that we have an ace. So, you know, you can go either way with that. But I feel like I'm going to be a little reserved like I was pre-flop and check. 
Yeah, for me, uh, one of the danger points here is the big blind um, because he called uh, this raise out of his, the worst position because uh, the small blind had folded by the time he got to him, right? So he knew he was going to be in the worst position the, the rest of the hand. So all that stuff we talked about preflop, he knows. He also, we, we don't know what the big blind has in the stack here, but I'm guessing it's not 900. So he knows he's in risk of being felted here as well, too. But he called that $12. So uh, I, I'm very interested in what he has here, less interested in what our villain has here because he could be playing lots of different things. Um, so I, I really want to check here and let the um, – the villain take a shot at this and then react to what the big blind does. If the big blind gets out of the way, then I'll feel a little more confident here. If the big blind raises, then we're easily out of here, right? And if he just calls, then I, then my spidey senses are still working on the big blind. So okay, yeah, I don't see much upside here for us to bet. Um, let's see. Our hero says, it's always nice to flop top pair, but we have no kicker and any king has us crushed. Uh, we auto-check to the initial razor. I like the auto-check. That's nice. Auto check to the initial raiser who puts out a fifteen dollar continuation bet. This folds out the big blind. The action is back on us. I'm gonna call. It's. I mean, it sounds anticlimactic, but for all the things that he just said, uh, the reason why we're checking instantly is because we don't have the the hand to bet. So why would I now raise him? You know, I don't not believe him. You know, I, there's no reason not to believe this guy right now, but. Our hand is strong enough that we could chop it at least, and we might still win. He might have queens, and he might be c-betting. So I'm going to call one street, and then depending on the turn, I'll I'll adjust. But I think a call is in order, not anything else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is very easy call here. Um, I mean, again, he could be playing anything, so let, let's, let's see what the river brings. Uh, we are out of position, so we have to be very careful about that. But uh, I, I don't see any reason to fold here. We got top air, so we got, we got a hand now. So. Yeah. Um, all right, our hero says if he has a big ace, then we're drawing to a chop at best. Well, you don't have to get to the river to qualify for the $500 high hand promotion. Most players don't know this. If he's got a king, why bet? Most players will look to hit their kicker to lock up the $500 high hand. Yes, if he has ace-king, he's already there. Uh, but without the ace, uh, he can only make the high hand by hitting his kicker, as his kicker wouldn't play if the third king comes, as there's an ace on board. Both whole cards have to play. We decide to play our hand as if we had the king, we call. He appears to be a thinking player, so we should proceed with caution. I was thinking a high hand had to be... the. I forgot what it was before. You said it was like aces full of queens or queens full or something? Tense. Queens full of tense. Oh, okay. So, so then, yeah, the high hand could already be there with the king eight, ace king. So I wasn't thinking like that. I was thinking it was uh, had to be quads or something like that, you know, normal one. But, um, okay. So, yeah, but even so, if you have that high hand, you're you're not betting there. There's enough money in the pot to win yeah, it. So in the pot. So, yeah, now you just want to get the showdown because you're, you're going to – unless you feel like you can get more than $500 out of your opponent, and, and here we have 650 So there is some consideration there. And I do think that's the interesting thing, a part of, of Vic's analysis here is we, we've already discussed that some of the – what I think we can all agree the weaker players here play, are playing for that high hand. Um, I don't necessarily, I never think that the better players are playing with a high hand. You know, they, they obviously adjust their strategy if they think they can hit it, but they're not chasing it. They're not playing lottery like the other players are, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And in this case, too, uh, sorry, so in this case, too, you know, you can just show your hand if the other person folds. You don't have to go to showdown, I think. So 
if you get him to fold by betting 15, you can still say, hold on to your look, and he's got his high hand. He's hit that hand. That's his hand, and there's enough in the pot. So um, I guess there is no scare of betting as long as you remember to show your hand if somebody folds out. Yeah, yeah. All right, with the pot at $60, the turn is the eight of clubs. So our board now is ace of hearts, king of spades, king of clubs, eight of clubs. Uh, here it says this doesn't help our hand, and action is on us. Yeah, this is this is a no-brain check, I think, again. I mean, I don't know. This is where you're hoping he checks, because then you know he may have had something like jacks or queens or a weaker ace, and he thinks that we have an ace um, or that we have a king and we're slow playing it. So if he continues to fire here, then you have to be a little concerned. If he checks behind, then you think, okay, he doesn't have a king, and he might be chopping. You know, the eight right now couldn't make you chop. You know, you don't know. The guy could have a seven suited. And he's just aggressive, and he's on the button. So, you know, you could very well still be chopping with that eight. Um, so I'm going to call a reasonable bet, but I'm going to check here. I'm not going to bet into him. Yeah, this is a tough spot here because, um, you know, if he does have an ace, really, the best we're hoping for is a chop, as Vic said. I mean, our four is not going to help us in the river. Um, so so we're playing for half the plot if if we think he has the ace. Um, obviously, he has the king. We're, we're drawing dead. Um, but he could have some other hands too. He was on the button, you know. So I mean, he could be like Queen Jack or something, and drawn to a straight, and we haven't beat right now, right? So, yeah. Yeah. um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that can go on here. I, I would just prefer to keep this pot pot small, and uh, we have some showdown value depending on what he has. So yeah, there's there's dozens of hands that this guy could have. I mean, yeah. you're on the button, and nobody raced you pre flop. You're aggressive. You make it whatever to go with pocket nines, you know, who knows, or what's with jack 10, you know, there, like you said, there's, there are all kinds of hands that would then after this flop still bet because we all check to him. So he C bets because that's what you do when you take over control of the hand and you have position on everyone, you do bet and you hope to take it down right there if you've missed. And if you hit it, you're hoping somebody calls. So any kind of hand right now, he could have any two cards, really any two cards because he's playing the people and not the cards too. So Really, dozens upon dozens of hands could still be in his in his wheelhouse right now. Yeah, and think about how great this hand could be right now if he was playing seven eight, something like that. Yeah, you know, now now his his hands improved. He might think that he has showdown value, and and uh, we obviously have that crushed right now. So yeah. Uh, right, here's so we're gonna stick to our plan and play the hand as if we hold a king. So we check to the villain. He leads out for thirty five dollars. Uh, apparently he's not concerned with our call on the flop. Hmm, what's the move? Hey, don't infringe on O'Malley. This is hand of the week. That's Vic G territory. Don't be saying what's the move. Uh, let me see. I don't know. This is tough because we were saying before this that if he bets out, he's not concerned about a king. You know? Um, and if he's not concerned about a king, I don't know. I mean, is this the time to say, okay, I really do have a king, and I have, I'm going to make it 105 to go and try to take this pot away from him because we're playing the player? But, you know, we've been pretty passive the whole way, and a king would do that, but a good but king, king would have raised free flop. Right? So if we're going to play the king card here, we have to raise now, I think. Right, right. right. You don't go to the river and put a bet out then. We're going to the river and hope that there's a, a bad after you check. I mean, it, this is when you come alive now, I think. So we, that's our decision point now. Are we going to try to represent a king here? If so, then we have to raise. Um, if we don't want to represent a king, we've got some options still. I mean, they're not great. You know, again, he could 
by how passionately we're playing it. And, you know, again, he's in the, and he's in his young 20s, so it doesn't mean that he's great, and he's got $900 doesn't make mean he's great, right? So, um, you know, he might be overvaluing his own hand and not thinking that we're sitting with an ace or king here just because, and thinking that we're playing it so passively that we might be drawing to something. I don't know what we'll be drawing to at this point, but I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I mean um... – go. So I guess the problem here is so if we decide we're not going to represent the king and we decide we're not going to raise – then we got to calculate how much money we're going to put in this pot because it's unlikely that we're going to get the showdown for just this $35, right? So there's going to be another bet on the river. Whatever comes on the river is not going to help our hand. So, um, you know, I guess unless it's an ace, right? Yeah, the only the only way I, I agree with everything you're saying, and I think if we do just call the 35, now it might put in this kid's head that if he doesn't have a king, He's going to be like, God, how is this guy still calling? Did he back in the clubs here? I mean, no, it's, he was calling early, and now you might think we actually have a king, and he slows down the river, and then you win a $120 pot, you know, with, with the ace because he had jacks or queens or something, you know, um, or whatever, one of those other hands. Um, you know, it's tough, Stu Unger, to bet it three times bluffing. So I don't know if he's bluffing here, but. Um, I, I might just call the 35. I still don't see myself raising. I know you're saying if you really want to tell the king story like Vic wants to, you're going to have to raise here probably. But you might also get the showdown making and for cheap, making him think you have the king or not really sure you have the king. Because then if you don't bet, if you just call here and on the river you check again, you know he's going to be like, all right, well, I'm going to check behind. If you bet on the river, you got to find that right amount that makes him think, all right, he's got a king and i got to fold my ace-queen. So... It's an interesting dilemma. I think I'm going to call again. Yeah, the other thing about calling, too, is you've got some other cards. There's no cards that are going to come to help our hand other than, I think, like I said, that ace would, right? Am I correct that ace comes? That gives us a boat? Yeah. Uh, um, or a king. But, but there are cards that could come that that could be a benefit to us, and I think a club would be one of those, right? So if a club comes, I think we we could bet that river, and now we can, now now we put the doubt in the opponent's mind. Is he betting kings? Is he betting the flush? And if I don't have either of those, but beat, <laughs> then I'm probably gonna have to fold. So it's a little, it's a little game of chicken here, I think, if you're gonna do it that way. But yeah, I mean, a king or an ace comes, that helps us because if a king comes, the guy has to have quads to beat us, and you're not really thinking quads are betting him this strong the whole way. You know, he might have slowed down a little bit because he had the board crushed, you know, uh, with three kings. But who knows? Yeah, this is a is an interesting hand. Uh, all right, uh, Vic says nothing has changed here. We're behind if he has most aces or a king. It does seem puzzling that he didn't check the turn. Why bet? What hands is he putting us on? We call $35, still playing the hand as if we hold the king. All right, so that's interesting to me because I really do. I mean, I know I've said that six times already, but I really do think if you were playing as with a king, that was your opportunity to come alive. But I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. It's just... Uh... It's you're now you're playing chicken with him and he actually has the king. You know what I mean? So I'd rather get to the river and show down my ace. I think if I can for a cheaper price than play chicken. Like he's and again, we don't play at Vic's level, but if, for the normal generic one, two level, when you come alive on that river after all this, I don't think too many people put you on the king at that point. I think what, what most people put you on is, Hey, I need to win this pot by betting. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Now, but but I don't think necessarily people are going to go straight. Oh, there there's the king coming alive now. No, I I wouldn't think that. I would have thought the king would have came alive earlier. So my instinct is to say this person just missed everything. 
the only way they're going to win their hand is by betting now because I've been betting the entire way and they want to put some doubt in my mind. And that doesn't work for me, I don't think. So, okay. Well. All right, pot now $130. The river is the nine of spades. So our final board is ace of hearts, king of spades, king of clubs, eight of clubs, nine of spades. Again, action is on us. Yeah, that nine changes absolutely nothing. It doesn't improve your hand at so all. Help us with the, the misdirection that I mentioned either. That club yeah, might have been there. Right. So, yeah, there's there's really nothing here to like, I don't think. Um, yeah. I mean, I think a check call is, is in order. Straight for him or anything like that. It didn't complete any of his hands, so we're back to whatever he had to begin with. So if you know beating, how when you watch um, you watch Daniel Granu play and he like kisses the chips and throws them in because he wants to at least use this as education, he's going to learn yeah. a lot about this player because now he can just totally replay the hand in his mind and say, this is what he does, these are his tendencies, this is what I'm thinking. I mean, you may run into this guy again or you may play with him for the rest of the night, and so you want to try to get some info on him. you got a decent stack in front of you. If you check and he bets 100, you've got aces up with a nine kicker, which is improving your hand, you know, and maybe this guy has jacks or queens, and you'll figure out a, a lot of stuff by calling it if it's like a eighty to or hundred dollar bet. If you check and he shoves or something, then you got to think to yourself, okay, why would he shove with kings when he wants to get value? So he's not going to have that. So then you think I might be splitting it with him, you know. But then he might have ice queen or ace jack, and you're losing. So um, I think I would check and decide if it's worth the information, it's worth the education. That's what I would do. I absolutely agree. This guy is going to be a thorn in our side the entire game because he's too behind us, right? Yeah. Um, he has us covered. We we have almost no information on him. Uh, we've come this far. I think we need to see this hand. Um, now, that depends on how much the bet is. Um, but but if we check here, any bets, I think you're right, anything like 100 or less, I think that that's, a, that's advertising worth paying for. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, all right, so here it says to continue with our story. Now is the time we have to bet. He's got to be wondering what we've called every street with. I don't think we have to bet big as it should look like a value bet. If he's not going to fold a big ace, then his uh, this acts as a blocker bet. If he gets sticky with the pocket pair like queens or jacks, we have him beat. We decide to lead out for $45 as one might do if they have tripped kings without having hit their kicker. Villain thinks for a short while before raising sixty dollars to one oh five. Vic says that's a bit of a shock. I don't think he would have played the hand that way if he had a, if he had a king. Uh, we certainly played our hand as if we had a king. Doesn't he know that? Action's back on us. Yeah, I, I just think either this kid's really clueless or he knows you don't have a king. You know, I mean, he's either clueless or he knows you don't have a king or he has the king. I mean, so. I I just I'm calling to find out what this kid how this kid plays because I would have bet 105 on the end anyway. Yeah, so we talked about it. It was a hundred dollar anyhow, right? So I mean, it's only five dollars more than our threshold at this point, and and really it's only sixty more at this point because we I took mean, the four. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wouldn't have bet 105. I would have called 105. I mean, exactly. I, well, yeah, because a, a normal bet is what Vic bet about a third of the pot at the end. But I'm just saying, you know, I would have called 105 anyway. So I'm going to call this last 60 and see what this guy's got. Um, yeah, I still, I mean, again, uh, Vic, Vic is a better player in a way. I, I still am a little lost in the weeds on why he thinks that he's playing the way a king would and uh, the villain's not playing the way a king would because I, I, could, I could see both players playing it differently with a king. I could. So yeah, me too. I, I don't think, I, maybe this is like a seventh level thinking and, and Vic got tripped up 
on the second or third level get to that seventh level. But I don't know. We'll see. All right. Uh, he says if he's testing us with a bigger ace, we have to continue to tell our story. I'm convinced that there's no. I'm convinced there's no way he's he has a king. We're putting in a re-raise with about 540 behind the pot at 280. We want to make what looks like a value bet. Calling the extra 60 would leave us 480 uh, with a pot of 340. So he raised 200 on top of his 105. It's 305 to go now, and we have 280 behind. Holy cow! Villain wastes little time. Announces all in. Obviously, he has his covered. <laughs> Holy cow! Uh, okay, so if he doesn't have the king, what can he have? I go in the tank here. It's a bold move if he has a bigger ace, but we play the hand just like we had a king, so I ruled that out. The only hand that makes sense is pocket aces, the case aces. He put in a standard pre-flop opening raise, makes a small C bet to find out if anyone has a king. When I call, and makes another small turn bet, and then he's happy to see me lead the river. I go back to the fact that he has to know that I have a king, but he raised in four bet jammed a river. He has to have, he has to have me beat, but with what? He says we only have two eighty left, so it's unlike he's bluffing. Well, I mean, a lot of these hands. I mean, a lot of these hands. Their ace queen could be could play this way. Ace queen would have raised pre flop. Ace queen would have bet probably bet out. You know, because he's not going to slow down. Now the turn picks up another club, so he's protecting his hand. And he's got somebody on the hook, uh, so we bet again. Uh, and then the river, we bet again. We have aces up with the best kicker possible. I, I, ace queen, ace jack, even ace ten might do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't see why he wouldn't. Uh, he could even have something like pocket eights because he has pocket eights. He raises preflop. We do our normal C bet, get a call or go, uh. Then the turn comes, and you're like emboldened with it. And you're like, okay, well, now they're going to think I have an ace, so let me keep betting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of hands that plausibly could play this way that still beat a random aces up with a nine kicker. So, um, I, I just, there's no way I'm calling this. I'm done. Yeah. It's really hard for me to imagine that we're ahead here. And, and even if we are ahead, we've let him outplay us. I think I, again, I go back to how, how we, we thought we were supposed to be playing Kings there. Um, I, I, I just uh, lost on on that. I would have, I would have woken up with those kings a lot earlier in the yeah, river. The turn, yep. You would have bet on the turn, and then if this guy comes at you again, he's gonna you're gonna learn right there that he doesn't think you have a king or he has the king, and you have to get out of this hand instead. Yeah, this scenario could have happened and should have happened on the turn. I think. Yep, yep. I agree. Um, all right, our hero says, I finally concluded that he has pocket aces and slide my cards toward the dealer and fold. The table full of curious onlookers is a bit disappointed not to see the hands. The villain obliges, prefacing by saying, no disrespect. The table's queen of hearts, nine of hearts. Ouch. Holy cow. Amazingly, I managed to win the back the chips from other players in the next orbit, but I'm not going to sleep well tonight. I guess when your opponent's story doesn't make sense, especially at 1-2, you need to call... Still, how I'll, how on earth does he not think I have a king? Well, I've explained that several times, I think. so. Yeah. Um, but still, yeah, ballsy. I mean, that guy's probably made made that 900 stack by making these moves all night. Um, I'm putting pressure on people where... Um, wow, wow. There's like, like Vic. So, I mean, I mean, look, look at what he did here. He, he got Vic to narrow his range down to a singular hand. Yeah. I mean... Question his play all you want, but that that's pretty impressive when you get a good player like Victor narrow you down to one single hand, and it's not the right one. Wow. So. Wow. And he has to show the hand if he has the high hand, so 
you know, and he didn't, so he showed it anyway. Because if he doesn't show it, that would really steam you too, because you think, oh, he had to have aces full, and that's the high hand. And when he doesn't show it, because he gives up the five hundred, you're like, he's not giving up five hundred dollars just to be cool. This this guy didn't have any hand that beat me, you know, or he had an ace that still beat you. You just didn't think it was worth showing. But queen nine, wow. So he literally just played the position the whole way through, and wanted to show everyone how just how tough he is and how crazy he is. Yeah, and I'm not no fan of showing cards when I don't have to, but this is an example where I think it made sense because, I mean, you, you can tell just by Vic saying, I'm not going to sleep well tonight, that this put him on tilt. Yeah. I mean, he really thought that he had this figured out, that he had aces, and here's a kid that had the absolutely garbage, right? Yeah. And uh, that doesn't sit well with, with good players. So, I mean, I, I think he rattled Vic here, and that, that that's a good reason to do it. Um, and, and you notice when Vic said, I managed to win the back of players with chips from the other players. Yeah. So he didn't get it back from this kid. So no. No. Um, So that that is an example. Uh, there's not a lot, but there are some examples where I would show a hand, and, and I, think, I, I think this kid played his hand masterfully. I mean, we could obviously say he shouldn't have raised preflop with it, and but uh, I think he played it really, really well. Yeah, if you're that, if you're this type of player, you definitely raise with any two cards on the button. Especially when you're new to the table and you want to see how these people play, and if you can outplay them or not. And he showed that he could. You know, he just, you know, he's just set it up for the rest of the night that this kid could have any two cards when you're playing against them, and then he'll show you the nuts when you don't believe him and put your whole stack in the middle. You know, that's yeah. exactly what this kid does. Out in everybody's mind, the table. Yeah, yep. very good play. Sorry, Vic. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.